welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? (laughs) Yours. (laughs) Let's walk through this together. Hey, you all. I am so excited to share today's podcast with you. We have our very first interview with one of my oldest friends, Dr. Samantha Sweeney. You all, she is a legitimate expert on working with families who have anxious kids. She has written a new book with her friend, Melissa Kilbride. It's called Working with Worry, a workbook for parents on how to support anxious children. She is speaking to us. After listening to this interview, I had so many new great ideas that I'm going to be able to take home to my family. Sarah and Caroline were both popping off with ideas as well. She's given us so many new strategies to help our kids manage their own feelings. And she really has a lot of the same ideas that I think we had, but has other words to help explain stuff. So I always think a new perspective on working with families and worry is great. So we're so excited to have her here. Sam is a psychologist, an author, and an educator in Washington, D.C. She has a private practice on Capitol Hill serving kids, families, and adults. And she and I actually worked together 20 years ago at Wadiko Children's Services which is a residential treatment center for kids that are having a really hard time. So we've known each other a long time and I'm so impressed by what she's done and so happy that we can share it with you. Welcome to Podcast Therapists. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Hi, y'all. You guys, I'm so excited. We have a very special guest today with us. It's our first guest. It is, so we may blow this interview, but hopefully we won't. I'm excited. Dr. Samantha Sweeney. Welcome. Thank you so much for having it. And who knows, maybe I'll blow it. I know. So I know. we'll see. So happy to be here. Oh, thank you. So just so everybody knows, Sam is a very, very old friend of mine. And she has written a book called Working with Worry, a workbook for parents on how to support anxious children. And it was written by Samantha Sweeney and Melissa Kilbride. And we are so thrilled to have Sam come on as an expert in helping parents with their kids who are worrying too much, which I'm, you know, totally in that boat. So I might just have my own personal session with Samantha and you guys can do whatever you need to. Actually, I'm going to also share this session and I cannot wait. Yeah, I think it's something that a lot of our listeners struggle with, a lot of other people and a lot of just clients in our world are really struggling with. So we're so happy to have someone who's kind of put it down on paper and has their theories and has looked at all the research. So this is awesome. So Samantha, can you start with kind of the major tenets of the book? Kind of like what's, why did you write it for parents and talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So Melissa and I are, are friends and colleagues, and, you know, we, we get together and talk about kind of, you know, some of the stuff that we would see in our practices. And, even you know, well before COVID, both of us saw quite the uptick in anxiety in both of our practices. And, you know, just knowing a little bit about how anxiety manifests and how it affects children and how it can kind of travel in families, we thought that kind of one of the things that was missing from 
you know, the, the literature, I guess you could say, like the self-help books about anxiety was really targeting parents um, and helping parents to kind of better understand how to support their children and not just about, okay, here's a workbook and give it to a child, which can be helpful. But we wanted something that was a little bit more holistic that kind of covered every different area of how a child could be helped in this area. So we, we hadn't found anything like that, so we wrote it ourselves. So cool, because I also think, too, that if you have an anxious kid, you're probably an anxious parent, and being able to actually do something with that anxiety has got to feel so comforting to the parents. I would so, hope so. Caroline, go ahead. No, I was just saying, the three of us and Samantha, I think you do this as well, like we work with families a lot, right? So there, there's totally a benefit to just intervening with the child, but having parents have their own tools and know how to do it from like a family system perspective just sounds so helpful. Yeah, that was the idea. You know, I, one of the things that I would often see in my own practice is that, you know, the way that I run my practice is I always talk with parents. Like I have a phone call with parents or I see adults too. Um, I have a quick phone call just to make sure that it's the right fit. So I get a sense from there what's going on. And then I do my intakes with parents only. Um, when I'm working with a child, because I really like to get a good sense of what the parent's perspective is. And so that is kind of how, part of how I approach as a clinician. Like, when I hear from a parent that their child has anxiety, part of being able to meet with a parent and talk with a parent is to kind of get a sense of what the, their relationship with anxiety is as well. And when I get that information and I'm able to kind of target both of those things, I find that the outcomes are just much better than if you're just focusing on the child alone yeah so you're like totally like us you did it in a book we started it with a podcast kind of yeah we really want to interview right. the whole family and you said this that parents have power so you know that's one of the major tenets of your book can you talk about that piece in particular just the fact that parents do have power in this yeah um i mean i think that's maybe the main reason why we wrote the book is that you know, we didn't see that out there with other books. It's something that talks about parents and the power that they have in respect to their children's anxiety. So we dedicated an entire chapter to talk about parents and their own relationship and anxiety, having them get in touch with, you know, what they get anxious about, how that kind of manifests with their children. And I think especially right now in the middle of COVID and quarantine, this is especially important for parents to be in touch with because I telling you in my I say I feel like I say this like sixteen times a day, but like in my own personal and professional life, I don't know that I know anybody who's not anxious. Like at least a little bit somewhat like everybody I know is anxious pretty much. So mm -hmm. And so tell us then why do parents have so much power in their kids' anxiety? So why do you think that is? Anxiety is one of those things I mean anxiety can be learned, right? We know that. And not to say that if you exhibit anxiety symptoms that, like, your kid is going to, like, pick up on this immediately and all of a sudden they're going to be super anxious. But the way in which we respond to things, our kids are watching that, right? So if we tend to be anxious when we respond to certain things, our kids can potentially also have a more anxious response as well. So let's say, for example, like, when you were growing up as a child, you happened to be anxious about meeting you were like a really shy kid. You were slow to warm up. Um, maybe you grew up with parents who were like, no, go, like play. And like, we're kind of pushing you. You didn't feel ready. 
And that's not something that you want for your kid, right? You want to kind of protect them. You want to say, like, no, it's okay. It's okay if you're not ready. It's okay if you're shy. It's okay if you're anxious. But that's not what your kid is like at all. Your kid is just like, woo, let's go. Let's go run and play on these stuff, right? But if you are constantly telling your kid, like, it's okay. It's okay that you don't want to do this. It's okay. Like, you know, and, and that's not in tune with who your child actually is. They can start to think, hmm, what if my parent keeps saying this? Is this something I should be worried about? Should I be concerned about, like, meeting new kids? Should I be, you know, worried about how I'm coming up? Is this something I should be worried about? And then they start to kind of develop a thought pattern that says, like, hmm, maybe, you know, my mom is always telling me to, like, look out for this. Maybe I should be worried about it. And so that has incredible great. So that's an example of how parents have incredible power. And I think the thing that's important to remember is that they also have power the other way. So the way in which you respond to a child and say, like, and encourage them to take risks or be okay with the fact that they can fail and learn from it, to model for them, like, you trying new things and you taking risks, those can have really positive impacts on, on your child and how they approach the world as well. So it can, it can go both ways, but either way, tests are really powerful. I think that's the piece that's particularly interesting, too, for me as a parent is, of course, I personally am anxious about making mistakes. You know, I like to get things right. And I'm not perfectionistic about, like, handwriting or paperwork, but I'm perfectionistic about the way I interact with people. And so I want my kids to be that way. And that then prevents them from making mistakes in that way because I'm giving them so much information about how to do it just right that they're, they're not taking the risks on their own. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we write in the book is like, allow your child to fail. And, you know, we were, both Melissa and I are parents, and we were writing this, and we're like, this almost hurts physically. <laughs> it like physically feels painful to say, like, allow your because I think about my own children, I'm like, no, I don't want them to say, like, I don't want something like that, something to happen to them. But the fact of the matter is, that's how kids learn, right? And if we are not allowing them to, like, kind of fall flat on their face, not figure, not literally, figuratively, and then pick themselves back up, they're not going to learn, right? They're, or it's going to be harder for them to learn. Or they're going to come to a different conclusion than we actually want them to come to. So we got to, we got to allow them to, like, make their own mistakes and learn from them. That's so important, even though it like is physically painful as a parent. I would imagine this is also such a gift to so many parents who didn't get their needs met as anxious children, who then are anxious parents, but then they look at something like this and they're like, oh, I can, I can, don't have to repeat this pattern. Like I can do something for my own kid and soothe them in some way when they can recognize it, which is really nice. Absolutely. I mean, we don't get like, deep into parents' childhood. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think one of the things we say to parents is like, if you feel like you need, you know, you've gone through all of this and you feel like you need your own um, work, we highly encourage that. You know, I think that that's great if parents go through this whole thing and say, you know what, I have had these childhood experiences and I do realize how, you know, the patterns that I had when I was younger and I don't want to repeat those. You know, maybe this book is great, but I also want to get my own support and go a little bit deeper working into that, I think that this book could be like a real positive stepping stone to potentially parents getting their, doing their own work. One of the things that you also were talking about that reminded me of 
My favorite thing to remember as a parent is this idea that every time I give my kids something, I'm also taking something else away. If they're worried about something and I'm kind of giving them all the tools to cope or kind of giving them all the ways to get out of that situation, I'm also taking away their opportunity to learn those skills on their own. And that's what they need to flourish. And so I kind of think about that as a parent all the time is giving them everything I give them. I'm also taking something away. And the opposite is true as well. Oh my goodness. That is like so on point. I love that. I mean, I don't think we framed it quite that way, but I just, I love that frame. It's absolutely true that without the opportunity for them to, to learn from their mistakes, you're kind of taking that learning opportunity if you give them all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Caroline and I taught a bit of that actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it's, I mean, it's so, it's so interesting to think about that because I actually was talking to my sister over the weekend about our last podcast and she was like, I never realized how anxious of a kid you were. And we kind of, it's, it's okay. (laughs) But we were talking about like some, and I have great parents, but some of the opportunities, like I talked about being really afraid of movie theaters as a little kid. And there was never like a chance to learn that the movie theater was a safe place. It was just like, we just didn't go. Right. And so I just never learned the skill of like, how do you sit with the discomfort? How do you learn that like the worst thing isn't going to happen? I'm like, I wonder what would have happened if I had just been taken into a movie theater and walked around it and left. And that was it. I wonder if, like, after that, I would have been like, okay. But if you have, like, one Saturday afternoon activity and one of your three kids is melting down, you're probably going to choose something else, Um, which is totally fair. But I think, right, like, my parents were doing what they thought was, like, 100% the best thing. Like, we don't want her to be this uncomfortable, so we're not going to go. So... Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about your KYST parenting? Yeah. So we call this KISS parenting. So it stands for keep your stuff together. And so the basic idea behind this is that we as parents, part of why we want to be in touch with our own stuff is because we want to parent as much as possible from a self-regulated state, meaning meaning that like, you know, when we're calm, then we're going to make the best choices as parents for our kids and for ourselves, right? Because when you just have a really crappy day and just like lose it on your kid, like that feels just as bad for you as it does for your child. And then you're, you know, going to bed at night, like feeling horrible and feeling like you're a horrible parent when working on figuring out, okay, what about this is triggering for me? Let me take a few minutes and take a few deep breaths and hide in the bathroom until like I feel like I'm calm can really make a big difference between being really reactive as a parent and saying something that later on you're like, I wish I hadn't said that, to saying something that that really is going to help your child and then also something that you can feel good about. And what are the strategies you kind of suggest to parents? So there are so many different ways. I think what it really starts with is being, is being self-reflective, right? And to, like we've already kind of talked about, the parent really think about um, what are their triggers, right? And what is it that they get upset about with their child? What is anxiety provoking for them? What situations are, are anxiety provoking for them? Um, I think that's one of the most important steps. And it's the first step really to really get a good sense of what's triggering for them. Um, another thing that we talk a lot about in the book is how to model for your child, right? 
you know, one of the things we, we talk about is how to like kind of talk out loud and say like, this is a problem that I had and this is how I went about solving that and kind of talking about that out loud in front of your child or, you know, if the child's a little bit older, then it's maybe have a more conversational approach to it. But if the child is little and you're just kind of thinking out loud and talking through a problem out loud, that can be incredibly helpful for your child to see like, oh, my mom and my dad also make mistakes. So they also have issues and they also have to problem solve them and work through them. I guess that's something I can do too. So yeah, that's a, that's a part of it. That's awesome. I'm just like thinking about that. I, I also try to model kind of saying, I made a mistake today and this is what I did, right? And I think that is helpful because mm-hmm. we have to we have to model that for our kids. That's such a huge mm-hmm. part of like self-regulating, yes. right? Like I have my own internal narrative all the time that helps me stay regulated and less anxious or in a better place. And I think sometimes I forget the power of a parent like saying those things out loud so that your child is learning how to do that in their own head. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Sam, I have a question and this is to everybody in Charlottesville. You all know there's a very large male problem here and and Samantha also told us it's in DC. So we actually don't have the book despite us trying to get the book. And I'm wondering, is it kind of paragraphs and actual worksheets that the parents are doing? Because this seems like such a good writing activity for parents to do. Is that how you have it organized? Yeah. Yeah. There are a ton of worksheets. So there so we call them activities, like different activities. And some of them are targeted to the parents. So in our parent chapter there's there's a whole bunch of activities for the parents to do that they can actually write in the book if they want to. Or they can, you know, take it out and do it on their own separately or something like that. But this is a workbook that's intended to be, you know, I, I highly encourage people to write in this, to highlight it. You know, put little like notes in the margin. This book doesn't have to be foreseen at all. I can't wait. I, I mean, honestly, I'm really, I am so excited about getting your book and working through it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We want to let you know that we are giving away a copy of Samantha's book. We're super excited for this. So, in order to be entered to win the copy of the book, you want to repost the Instagram post of this episode and tag us and we will choose a winner 24 hours from now. So can you tell us too, what are the outcomes you've seen? Because I can imagine that if a parent really sits down and puts the energy towards identifying triggers and strategies to keeping their own stuff together, that can be life-changing for folks. So what are the outcomes you've seen? I, I will have to say, though, kind of anecdotally, you know, because, I mean, the book hasn't been out all that long, so I, I can't say for sure, like, as a direct result of this book, this is what the outcomes have been. But what I've seen with parents that I've worked with, you know, I, I've seen lots of parents go through really dramatic transformation in the way that they kind of have turned to, you know, better understanding themselves. I, I've seen parents who really go through their own course of therapy and, again, pretty anecdotally, but have told me, like, these are the things that I'm working on in my own therapy and this is what, you know, I've stopped doing this vice or I've stopped doing this as much or or something like that. So I think that some parents go through massive transformations where they like change kind of their whole outlook and their whole lives. And then I think the the changes often are, are a lot more subtle, right? Where it's just like, okay, from now on, instead of making the assumption that my kid is 
trying to ruin my life with their, with their like, outburst. And sometimes that's how you can feel as a parent. You're, you know, I'm just going to take a deep breath, imagine what it must be like to be them, and then, and then respond. And so I've kind of heard both of those things from parents, that they make really dramatic changes or that they make these really tiny, subtle ones. But just to be clear, like, whether the change for parents is really dramatic or whether it's really small, the effect is huge on, on the kid, on the parent, on everybody. That reminds me a little bit of the question last week we were talking about anxiety, and we kind of stopped in the middle of it, and we're like, how many people do you think actually think about this, their anxiety this way, and are in touch with kind of every, we talked about it on a temperature scale of 1 to 10, and, you know, kind of every level, because I think therapists think about anxiety that way, but other people don't always have their finger on the pulse of their anxiety. And once you kind of open that toolbox for them or open that language for them, it can really be life-changing. I think that's absolutely true. And I, as a therapist myself, like, I mean, yes, I think about this stuff at work. I, writing this book is helping me think about it more at home. It's like, it's sometimes so hard for us, too, because sometimes, like, this is the stuff that we're doing all day long, and then when we go home, it's, it's harder to remember. You know, I think that even as a therapist, Right? Even though I think I'm very good at my job and I think like, I'm mostly in touch with my own stuff and I mostly think about this stuff pretty regularly, like having reminders is enormously helpful. So I, I think it's helpful for everybody. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, I mean, we on our podcast do share our mistakes we make <laughs> as parents as well or just as people, even though we're saying something you know, different maybe in our office. I, I mean, I know I can leave the office and walk smack into a mistake with my teenager on a pretty <laughs> daily basis, quite honestly. The thing that we're talking about, too, that's interesting is I know in my own family, but also other families I work with, anxiety is almost contagious. So one person walks in the door with just feeling really stressed and anxious about something, then hands it off to the next person in some sort of bad mm-hmm. interaction, and it just continues through the whole household and really wreck the evening for a little while. So I, I really love just how kind of clear some of the things that you're mentioning are for families to kind of lock into and hold on to and use as tools and strategies. This is great. I have a question about that, actually. So I think you're really talking about how parents have power and that that the parent is a key part of this. So Samantha, what do you do if one parent is on board with doing this work and me and the other one isn't? Like, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's always really tricky as, as therapists, right? And that happens often where, like, one is really involved and the other one is clearly, you know, like, not, not as on board with, with all of this. I think that you work hard with the parent that is willing and hopes that the kind of evidence speaks for itself, right? Because if you do practice this stuff, if you work through this stuff, there will be changes, right? Not to say that everything will be perfect and like there won't ever be issues, but there will be changes if you are consistent and you, you know, consistently think about taking deep breaths before responding to your kid. You consistently help them to fail and then learn from their mistakes. If you do that with your kid on a regular basis, you will see changes and kind of checking in with that other parent and just asking their opinion and asking what they're seeing and kind of Letting the outcome speak for themselves, I think, can can be really, really powerful. But you know, sometimes you don't have this supportable parents. Sometimes it's just one. You you kind of work with what you got. What about the flexibility piece? Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, we put a lot of interventions into this book very much on purpose. Um, because every kid is different and every family is different and we really wanted, we didn't want to write a prescriptive book where it was like, do this, then do this, then do this, do this, and then boom, you're gonna, <laughs> you have this outcome. It's more of a, you know, I want you to try this. If this doesn't work out, maybe try it this way and really have the family or kid or, you know, parent tailor what they think will be helpful to them and to their family. Um, and so we gave a lot of options. And one of the things that we say is to be flexible, right? I understand, like, with all of the options that we have, it can be somewhat overwhelming. We always we really ask parents just to pick one. Just don't worry what it is. Just pick one. Pick one intervention and just try it and then see how that feels. And then if it works, great. If it doesn't, move on to the next one. Or better yet, see how your child think, right? Have your child pick out what kind of intervention they think would be helpful. So, yeah, I think having options can be really great. It can also be overwhelming, um, but allowing yourself to choose what's available without sticking to any one thing that's not working, I think, is, is essential. I like the way you put that because I think it's also easy when you're feeling stressed or frustrated to read something or and kind of go, well, that won't work for me. So by providing like all mm-hmm. these different options, I love that because I think people are probably much more willing to try to apply at least one of those if they have many versus just ruling something out and deciding, you know, it's not going to work or whatever. I think sometimes by the time a family accesses a book like this, oftentimes they're already in a place where they're feeling so stressed about the situation that it sounds like the more options, the better, truthfully. And if you try an option and it works and you feel hopeful, then I feel like you're more inclined to try another. And then you have like a bunch of tools in your toolkit, right? Like you now have options of whether it's like how to keep your stuff together how to you know be flexible right like you have concrete ideas of like what do I do in this situation rather than just feeling anxious and overwhelmed and I think that's hugely empowering for parents so what are the options tell us some of them and tell us how you found those options like you have a whole long list like how'd you get there so we have four different categories of interventions so it's Cognitive restructuring, so kind of changing the way you're thinking. Mindfulness, which is like the topic du jour right now, right? Like everyone's talking about mindfulness for a reason. It, it works. Self-regulation, so how to kind of regulate your body. And then creativity, so the specific creative. So we have four different categories and like several um, options within that, within each of those categories, aggregated by age. So we say like this might be good for teens and tweens as opposed to like, you know, the younger set or whatever. So it gives options, which we think is really helpful. And in terms of, like, coming up with them, I mean, you know, Melissa and I, like, we both are therapists, right? So we have, like, all of, a ton of options in our toolbox. And then we kind of, we were tweaking some and changing some, and we were saying, like, these are ones that we've used, or, like, we've noticed that this is something that we've used in the past, but then we changed it slightly this way. So um we just came up with a, a whole long list, and then, like, created these different categories so that it would be more accessible to parents to kind of pick out. Because I think if you see like a list of four or fifty different interventions, you're like, holy crap, where do I where do I start? But if you see like, okay, here's a mindfulness intervention for a tween, you're like, okay, I have a twelve year old who likes to do deep breathing, let me go there. So I think that makes it a little bit easier as a parent to to or as a kid to pick out something that'll work for you. It totally does. 
Caroline just mouthed to me, this is so smart. <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, it, it's so digestible. Yeah. Right? Like, people have told us that we tend to be a fire hose at times yeah, of, like, like <laughs> just, like, spewing in our podcast. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Like, this is so great. Like, this is so calming. <laughs> I ne- I have to say, like, even every time we meet to do a podcast, like, I swear these two leave and, and I sit there and think, oh, I just learned something new just from sitting in the same room. Even though we work together, you don't work in somebody else's office. You don't know what they're doing with their clients. So hearing from two mm-hmm. other therapists, these different strategies is so exciting because some of them, lots of therapists may know some of them, but there are probably lots that we haven't thought of or Probably my favorite. I don't know if this one's weird. But one of my favorite ones to do, and I, you know, it's so sad with COVID. I haven't done this in a long time, but it's one of my favorite ones is to do something called anxiety in your body. And so what I have, what it is, is like you get a huge piece of paper, like just an enormous piece of paper, and you have the child lie down on it and you outline the child's body. And then what you do is you and you can do this either in one session, right? Or if, if it's a parent, you can do it all at once. Or you can kind of split it up and do it as these things happen. And so basically what you, what the child does is they, after you have the outline, they then mark the places in their body that they feel anxiety, right? So they, you know, do they feel a racing heart? And they kind of like maybe, depending on how creative the child is, Right, they can kind of mark it however they want. If they just want to put an X over it, that's fine. But if they want to draw a heart and then just like draw lines around the heart to show that the heart is beating really fast, um, you know, then they can do something like that. Or they find that their hands are shaking much, like color in their hands, like you know, purple because that's cold. I don't know, but I, I'm not creative, so <laughs> I'm not good. I'm not good at this one, but I like learn from the kids that I work with. Um, so I love that one because it really gets kids in touch with the different parts of their body and what they're experiencing, you know, physiologically when they when they're experiencing anxiety. And I think it can be so great at home because even if the kid is like, Well, I don't know. I don't know when I experience it. I don't I don't feel it. I don't know when I feel it. When they do feel a parent can say, I think you're experiencing anxiety right now. Where do you feel it in your body? Go mark it on your on your little person. And so they can do it in the moment. And I think in some ways, COVID makes it easier, right? Because the parent and child are there together all the time. And it's easier for a parent to, you know, even if they're in the middle of a workday to say, like, maybe not a therapist because you can't insert the But in the middle of a workday to turn around and just say, um, I can see that you're anxious. Take note of where you feel that in your body and go mark that on your person in a way that you can't when your kid is in school. So I, that's probably one of my favorite ones. Um, I really like I love doing that with kids, and I love suggesting it. So, um, yeah. It sounds so fun. And kids have fun with stuff like that. I mean, that, it sounds like these activities are fun for the kids, too. Like, it's worthwhile, but it would be fun for them to go color the part of their body they're feeling the stress in or the anxiety in. I think that's so great. I'm trying to think of, like, another good one. Um, okay, so I have, like, a kid with one we really call it the so what thing. So this is for the kid who, like, you know, gets really anxious about different situations or, like, imagines different things that could potentially happen, and then have them write down the things that they're worried about or the different scenarios that they could be um, could be really concerned about, and then ask them to say, like, so what? Like, and actually have them answer that. So, like, if, you know, I'm worried about, um, 
going to a new school and like like not meeting anyone else on the first day. Okay, if that happens, so what? So then I don't have any friends on the first day. So what? So I go on the second day and then I meet a new person. Okay, so what then? So what then? So you kind of have them go along and just ask them to kind of really answer their own worries, kind of examine their worries and then answer them. So that they, they're not just like these ideas floating in their head. They're actually like you're putting it on paper and then answering like, these are my concerns. So what if that happens? So you must be teaching parents a lot of really healthy strategies that most therapists know, right? So many of them know, but maybe we need, this is a really awesome avenue to get them to the people, to get it to other parents so they can use them. Yeah, I, that's the idea. And then, and you know, I do a lot of this stuff with teenagers too. Like I work with a lot of teens. And let me be totally honest, I work with adults too, and I teach a lot of these strategies to adults too. Pretty much every single one of these interventions, adults can do too. So yeah, I feel like it's something that, that I get to teach all the time and see some, some really big games, hopefully. <laughs> you know, most of the time I think that that's, that's what ends up happening. So I feel like, I have learned tons already, to be honest with you. I'm actually, I know we're getting a book, but I would buy it. I'm just being honest. I would buy this, and I might buy, like, ten for my office. Oh, I was just thinking. I've already thought of my friends that I'm giving it to. Yeah. That I'm going to buy it and send as a gift. No, I'm so excited. And also, if there's a kid on your doorstep in about two hours, it's my daughter. Please let her in and have a conversation with her if you don't mind. She drives herself, so she'll be there. Is there anything you think we should know that you haven't been able to kind of touch on? Anything else? I don't know. Just anything else you're proud of, actually, about the book? Just because I'm interested in We want you to brag some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do one of my humble brags. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the last part of the book that I think sets, sets it apart is that um, we have something called a maintenance chapter, which basically is for kind of what we say is like we have a chapter for parents, we have a chapter for the kid. Um, and then we have a chapter for the family. And the idea behind the maintenance chapter is that, okay, now once a kid has made gains, right, now what? Like, what do we do now? Um, so we give um, parents some kind of different techniques and interventions and different things that they can do to help have this become like, kind of a part of the culture of the whole family so that the kid is not just, like, the identified patient, right? Like, what we often call the, the kid who comes into therapy, but then, you know, also, like, parents need some help, and maybe some other siblings need some help, but it's, like, the one kid who's, like, having the most trouble, that's who we do in therapy, but if you kind of infuse these techniques into, like, the whole household and the whole family, then everyone can benefit from them, because, frankly, everybody can benefit from and should benefit from these different techniques, so that's something that we're proud of, too. I think that's awesome because I think you're right. And we talk about this anxiety runs in families. We're all passing it around and, and we need to think about it that way, you know, and it sounds like mm-hmm. you actually are addressing it that way, which is really cool. Well, and I love the way you've kind of taken the heat off the kid mm-hmm. um, because it is it, some of, some of the kids that come in, they're already anxious and they, there's a shame or, you know, feeling bad about being the identified patient, like you said, and that's a term we use as clinicians to kind of, it's the, it's the person who's sitting in our offices kind of as the focus person, but it's not always the right person in the room, truthfully. So sometimes the whole family really benefits mm-hmm. from what you're teaching the person sitting in the room. That chapter sounds amazing. That's such a great idea, actually. I like your humble brag. 
We'll keep bragging about you, actually. We're Fair so enough. excited about this. Fine. Tell us where people can get your book first. Sure, sure. So it's available on Amazon and I'm at local bookstores. And we always encourage people to kind of look at the local indie bookstore and see if they carry it because we want to support local stores. So if your local bookstore carries it, then I would highly encourage you to buy it from them. And then you can also buy it from our publishers, Possible Publishing. And so that's, that's where you can get it. Or you can go to my website or Melissa's website, and we both have links there to, to buy the book as well. So lots of different places you can go. And if people want to know more about you or get in touch with you, or because you're doing speaking engagements, right? Because I got to say, you're a good speaker. You have really convinced me on a lot of things. <laughs> if they want you to speak for them, do you do that? Yeah, yeah. You know, with COVID and everything like that, we've done a few virtual events, um, but speaking events, certainly we, you know, both of us will, will do stuff like, stuff like that. So yeah, people can just go to my website and, and connect with me there. I'm also on social media, so they can connect with me on Facebook. They can connect with me there. My website is www.stsch.com. Um, it stands for my organization, which is called Family Psychological Services of Capitol Hill. And then my Facebook is just Family Psychological Services of Capitol Hill. So you can search for me that way. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's lots of different ways to get in touch with me. This was awesome. We want to do another interview again later, just because you have so much to offer. Aw, thank you. <laughs> yes, please come back. <laughs> oh my goodness, anytime. This is so much fun. I love it. This was such a fantastic first interview. I know. So incredible. Thank Thank you you so much. This is great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you or your child are struggling with anxiety and feel like you need more than you can get from this book or from online resources... We want to let you know we have a team with therapists and psychiatrists who can help you out. You can find us at virginiafamilytherapy.com. Thank you.